Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for Wednesday, December 30th, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. Why talking out loud to yourself is actually an important cognitive skill. Or so I'm telling myself. A new population of blue whales with a distinct song was recently discovered in the Indian Ocean. And a new AI that will hilariously and viciously judge your taste in music. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. Good news for people like me, talking out loud to yourself is apparently a very useful tool for processing your thoughts. Now, if you too talk to yourself, this probably isn't huge news. Even if you don't, it makes logical sense. And it's something that's been discussed and recommended in varying capacities at least since ancient Greece. But German writer Heinrich von Kleist perhaps described it best in his 19th century essay on the gradual formation of thoughts during speech. Quoting Syke, Here Kleist describes his habit of using speech as a thinking method, and speculates that if we can't discover something just by thinking about it, we might discover it in the process of free speech. He writes that we usually hold an abstract beginning of a thought, but active speech helps to turn the obscure thought into a whole idea. It's not thought that produces speech, but rather, speech is a creative process that in turn generates thought. Just as appetite comes with eating, Kleist argues, ideas come with speaking, end quote. Remember earlier this year when Twitter was going on about whether people think in words and full sentences or more abstractly? And people who were solidly in one camp or the other couldn't believe how the other was possible? Well, it sounds like Kleist was definitely in the wordless abstraction camp of thinking, not the voice-in-your-head-all-the-time kind of guy. Although, as someone with absolutely no scientific background, I personally think we probably all fall somewhere along a spectrum here. More modern research on cognition and learning back up Kleist's claims. Speaking aloud to yourself has positive benefits for motivation, emotional regulation, reasoning, and developing metacognition. So why don't more people do it, or admit to doing it, or promote the idea of people doing it? Well, saying affirmations aloud to yourself, you know, like, I am smart, I am strong, that kind of thing, has definitely seen a rise in popularity over the last several years, but literally talking to yourself as you go about a task or work out an idea, especially if in public, is still kind of frowned upon. As Nana Ariel says in Psych, quote, Self-talk is deemed legitimate only when done in private, by children, by people with intellectual disabilities, or in Shakespearean soliloquies, end quote. Or, as sociologist Irving Goffman says, self-talk is taboo because it, quote, violates the social assumption that speech is communicative, end quote. Mostly, it's seen as a childish thing, a precursor to developing the discipline for the inner voice that you keep in your head just to yourself. But that inner voice, despite what some people may claim about every thought passing through their head coming in in complete sentences, is rarely complete. It passes over things. When we speak aloud, we're forced to make connections and articulate thoughts that our inner voice may have passed over. Plus, quoting again, it also creates new information in the retrieval process, just as in the process of writing. Speaking out loud is inventive and creative. 
Each uttered word and sentence doesn't just bring forth an existing thought, but also triggers new mental and linguistic connections. This transformation isn't just about the translation of thoughts into another set of signs, rather it adds new information to the mental process and generates new mental cascades. That's why the best solution for creative blocks isn't to try to think in front of an empty page and simply wait for thoughts to arrive, but actually to continue to speak and write anything trusting this generative process. Speaking out loud to yourself also increases the dialogical quality of our own speech. Although we have no visible addressee, speaking to ourselves encourages us to actively construct an image of an addressee and activate one's theory of mind, the ability to understand other people's mental states, and to speak and act according to their imagined expectations. Mute inner speech can appear as an inner dialogue as well, but its truncated form encourages us to create a secret abbreviated language and deploy mental shortcuts. By forcing us to articulate ourselves more fully, self-talk summons up the image of an imagined listener or interrogator more vividly. In this way, it allows us to question ourselves more critically by adopting an external perspective on our own ideas, and so to consider shortcomings in our arguments, all while using our own speech." End quote. Those two points are ones I didn't quite realize that I apply in my own writing. And when I'm stuck, I just keep writing, literally anything, typing out a stream of consciousness until I hit on something, allowing myself something even less than a rough draft, but eventually finding some path worth pursuing. And when I write for something that will eventually be spoken aloud, a speech, a script, sometimes even this podcast, I tend to speak aloud as I write parts of it, maybe even spitballing into a voice memo before I get typing. That way I can capture the rhythm, cadences, and word choices I would naturally use when speaking instead of sounding too cerebral or like an essay. This back and forth of thought into spoken or written words is all part of the generative process, working off each other to form deeper thoughts or reach an articulation or analysis you couldn't quite get to just inside your head. Which is why Psyche says proposals like Elon Musk's that one day we'll all just communicate directly brain to brain through neural links is so off base. Quoting once more, what Musk chalks up as effort, friction, and information loss also involves cognitive gain. Speech is not merely a conduit for the transmission of ideas, a replaceable medium for direct communication, but a generative activity that enhances thinking. Neural links might ease intersubjective communication, but they won't replace the technology of thinking while speaking. Just as Kleist realized more than 200 years ago, there are no pre-existing ideas, but rather the heuristic process by which speech and thought co-construct each other. End quote. So the bad habit I've developed of speaking quietly to myself behind my mask so no one can tell while I walk around in public isn't so much a bad habit as a heuristic process that's enhancing my thinking. At least that's what I'm going to keep telling myself. As we ring in 2021 tomorrow night and think about what we want to achieve in the new year, I'm betting that your resolutions might include things like learning something new, being more productive, or tapping into your creative side. Well, today's sponsor, Skillshare, can help you with all of the above and more. Skillshare is an online learning community that offers membership with meaning. With so much to explore, real projects to create, and the support of fellow creatives, Skillshare 
Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth. Their class topics range from video production and animation to web development and UX design, as well as creative writing, entrepreneurship, lifestyle classes, and more. I am currently working on redoing my work-from-home setup, and as I do, I've been watching Emily Henderson's class, Style Your Space, Creative Tips and Techniques for Interior Design. She helps you identify what your style is, something I hadn't seriously considered before, and then how to apply that for your home. There are so many different aspects of your own life and goals to explore and dig deeper into on Skillshare. And it's incredibly affordable, especially when compared to pricey in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. And for listeners of the Kotki Ride Home, you can explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash Kotki and get a free trial of premium membership. Again, that's Skillshare.com slash Kotki for a free trial of premium membership. Today's sponsor is actually another podcast, and it's one that if you listen to this show, I think you're really going to like. It's called The Jordan Harbinger Show. And on it, host Jordan Harbinger covers a wide range of topics through weekly interviews with heavy-hitting guests. The show is aimed at making you a better informed, more critical thinker, so you can get a sense of how the world actually works and come to your own conclusions about what's happening, even inside your own brain. Of the recent episodes, I especially recommend one with Seth Godin, whose insights on creative work are forever bouncing around in my brain, and with the Russell Brand discussing overcoming addiction and how to apply those learnings to all aspects of life. There is an episode for everyone, though, no matter what you're into. The show covers stories like how a professional art forger somehow made millions of dollars while being chased by the feds and the mafia, and it discusses practical issues like how to handle traditional job interviews during the pandemic. The podcast covers a lot, but one constant is Jordan's ability to pull useful pieces of advice from his guests. I promise you, you'll find something useful that you can apply to your own life, whether that's an actionable routine change that boosts your productivity or just a slight mindset tweak that changes how you see the world. I really enjoy this show, and I think that you will as well, so search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts or go to jordanharbinger.com slash subscribe. Scientists have discovered a previously unknown population of blue whales hiding in the Indian Ocean. And even cooler, they have their own whale song that's distinct from any other whale populations. As the New York Times points out, hiding isn't really something you think possible for the largest mammal ever known to have existed, coming in at an average of 100 feet long and 380,000 pounds. But in a paper published last week in the journal Endangered Species Research, scientists describe this particular population as being distinct from other whales living in the area based on their unique song. There's only about a dozen other distinct whale songs that have been documented in the world, and this one, a slow, deep song, is, quoting senior author Salvatore Sergio, like hearing different songs within a genre, Stevie Ray Vaughan versus B.B. King, end quote. And quoting further from the New York Times, A number of blue whale populations, each with its own characteristic croon, have long been known to visit this pocket of the Indian Ocean, Dr. Sergio said. But one of the songs that crackled through the team's Madagascar recordings was unlike any the researchers had heard. 
By 2018, the team had picked up on several more instances of the new whale's now-recognizable refrain. Partnerships with other researchers soon revealed that the distinctive calls had been detected at another recording outpost off the coast of Oman, where the sounds seemed particularly prevalent. Another windfall came later that year when Dr. Sergio learned that colleagues in Australia had heard the whales crooning the same song in the central Indian Ocean near the Chagos Archipelago. Data amassed from the three sites, each separated from the others by hundreds or thousands of miles, painted a rough portrait of a pod of whales moseying about in the Indian Ocean's northwest and perhaps beyond. End quote. Though it's not known for certain, most researchers think blue whales' songs are used to woo mates, and that the melodic details are very important, because if enough details change over time, they can't talk to each other, and they'll grow apart. Over time, maybe even splintering off into subspecies. Now, there's no evidence that's completely what happened here, but researchers are confident they are looking at a distinct population with a distinct song so maybe more akin to different dialects and cultures than a straight-up different subspecies. Here's a listen to the new whale song, sped up 20 times so that it's more audible to human ears. Many parts of whale songs are outside the range of human hearing. Researchers have placed underwater microphones in the ocean to try to learn more about the whales, including their migratory patterns, as they appear to be located in areas that were historically the site of illegal whale hunting, and researchers think this particular population may even be the very same that the Soviet Union targeted in the 60s, killing over a thousand of the blue whales in the region. More information on the new population will help agencies be able to protect and preserve the whales going forward. Move over, Spotify wrapped. There's a new personalized end-of-year retrospective in town. From the visual essay platform that brought you such recent hits as the analysis of generational gaps in song recognition and a frequency and sentiment breakdown of dialogue on The Office, comes a new AI that judges your taste in music based on your Spotify listening behavior. The Pudding, a site that creates sleek and fascinating visual analyses of pop culture topics, introduced the How Bad Is Your Spotify AI earlier this month, and its cynical, judging responses quickly flooded both my Twitter feed and my holiday Zoom calls. It works pretty simply, so long as you're an avid Spotify user and don't care about spreading your data all over. You go to the link that I will put in the show notes, log into your Spotify account, and then it evaluates your music taste. If pressed, the AI tells you, quote, I've been trained on a corpus of over 2 million indicators of objectively good music, including pitchfork reviews, record store recommendations, and subreddits you've never heard of, end quote. So you should probably have a good idea of the kind of pretentious holier-than-thou judgment you're about to wade into. It does ask you some questions along the way, like if you listen to certain bands ironically, if you've been to Coachella, and gives you three of your top listened to artists that it asks you to then sort into Screw, Marry, and Kill. According to the AI, I am 14% basic, listen to too many Obama-era jams, and my overall music taste is 
remember when Williamsburg was cool, bad. So, there's that. (laughs) Now, as fun as that was, I would be remiss if I did not mention that, convenient as it may be for listeners and even a great way to discover new music, Spotify is pretty terrible for artists, especially small and independent ones. Being the biggest name in the game, Spotify changed the tide of illegal downloads, giving musicians at least something for their work. But many musicians say it's not enough. And in fact, the offset of less people buying music due to the convenience of streaming may even make it worse for some. Quoting the Union of Musicians and Allied Workers, To generate a single dollar on the platform, a song needs to be streamed 263 times. To earn $15 an hour each month working full-time, it would take 657,895 streams per band member. End quote. Yeah. Now, even if you're not ready to cut ties with Spotify just yet, I do encourage you to read up on some musicians' grievances, I'll put a link in the show notes, and to buy music when you can. At the start of the pandemic, Bandcamp started doing something called Bandcamp Fridays on the first Friday of every month, and on those days, Bandcamp waives their revenue share, so artists get almost the entire cut of the proceeds when you buy their music or merch. The next one isn't until February, and you don't have to wait until then to support your favorite artists, but definitely consider buying from them on Bandcamp Fridays if you're able to. Alright, stepping back down from my soapbox now, check in all the links in the show notes, including The Pudding's Judgy AI. That is it for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotke.org. I am Jackson Bird, and quick housekeeping note here, there will be no more shows for the rest of this week as we close up shop for the new year. So no new episodes Thursday or Friday. I hope that you are all able to take a little time to rest and rejuvenate this week or weekend. And I gotta say, as we close out the year, it has been an absolute joy making this show for the last few months. It's been a great coping mechanism for this intense and whirlwind year, and I hope it's helped you find a few pockets of joy as well. I hope you have a wonderful new year, and I will talk to you again on Monday in 2021.